Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. Uh, We are minus uh, the great and wonderful Jared Brandon as he is driving up this way in a rainstorm in a truck. Um, the, there's not a rainstorm in the truck. He's in a truck, and the rainstorm is outside, just to be clear. Uh, Tony, what do we do on the show? We like to talk about gear, and that's things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories, all the good stuff. But more importantly, we normally like to talk to the makers of this gear. Indeed. But on occasions such as today, we talk to the movers and the shakers. The enthusiasts. <laughs> enthusiasts. Yes. And the teachers and sharers. Uh, special guest, who are you? Uh, my name is Brett Kingman, and I'm saying a big hello from Melbourne, Australia. A very cold Melbourne, Australia. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I got to say, one comment that we usually get on on the show behind the scenes is when we, whenever we have somebody that jumps on and says, oh, it's so weird to hear you talk to me over the over the, you know, as we're doing this right now, because I'm so used to listening to you. The same can be said for you, Mr. Kingman. It is oh. very strange hearing you. Oh. you, you which, bit about it is, which bit about it is strange? Well, I just, um, all I can imagine you is on your stool with your headset and the guitar. And, you know, I'm imagining that right now. <laughs> well, let me put you in exactly in the picture. I'm sitting on a piano stool, which I've decided is, the best thing for my back after years and years of doing this. I tried studio stools and chairs and things that cost a lot of money, even those big blow-up balls, and uh, and I've suffered lower back problems from all of the time. Oh, man. Sitting in front of this computer. And in the end, I thought, I'll go and get the piano stool, and it is absolutely – it's a godsend because it forces you to sit upright with your feet flat on the floor. Yeah. And that, of course, strengthens your core for anybody else who may be suffering lower spinal issues. Yeah. Uh, go and get a $50 piano stool. And yes, go. I'm sitting here with yeah. a Music Man Axis on my lap and a pair of headphones wrapped around my big fat scone. And I'm having a friendly <laughs> chat to you guys. And it's great. It's oh. really good already. What flavor is your scone? <laughs> <laughs> Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if this is anything indicative of the show, I think we're we're all in for a treat. Um, those of you who are not familiar, if there are any out there who are not familiar with Mr. Kingman, um, where can they go see what you can do? Gosh, uh, well, you can go to my YouTube channel, which has been up for since almost last century. No, that's not true. 2008, I think we started that one. Uh, just put Brett Kingman into the YouTube search engine, and there I will be. I think there's only one other Brett Kingman in the world, and he's a real estate agent in Nashville. Not very happy with <laughs> the fact me. that you know that, <laughs> because he made a point of telling me uh, a few years ago. I think he's been bombarded with uh, guitar, you know, guitar related questions, and he's not a guitar player. What should, what fuzz should I buy, Mister Kingman? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we have this quarter eight block around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, well, sorry, I completely lost track of the question. Or the or the. Well, you're on Instagram of, under Brett Kingman, so they can. Oh, that's easy yeah, that's to true. Find. I'm on Instagram too, and until recently, I was on Facebook, and that had a reasonable following. But I was hacked about three weeks ago, and they have not reinstated my account, despite reporting it 
from myself and and well, I'm told other people as well. Oh man, uh, which is uh, a little annoying considering that both Facebook and Instagram are now under the yeah. Meta Annex. Yeah. Uh, but one, the left arm is not talking to the right arm. You know, you've probably heard this story before, but yes. So I'm. Um, Facebook is in the bad books with me, and I, apparently I'm in the bad books with them too. At the <laughs> well, they're probably listening, so you've sealed your fate now. <laughs> Do you think? I don't, I'm not sure. That they would. Uh, uh, well, Kingman, Kingman we, is not aligned with Kardashian kind of, you know. True. Uh, popularity. So. Yes. Well, I, you, I'm, I hope you get it all back. That that should uh, that'll be good. Uh, all right. Uh, listen, everybody, we have lots and lots to discuss on the show tonight. And um, I, we just have a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, I need to say a big fat thank you to Road of Australia, Australia. <laughs> Road for supplying our fantastic uh, audio equipment. Um, we are eternally grateful for their support and generosity and for just making damn good stuff. Just Do you know, up. I've got to interrupt you here because yeah. I'm actually talking into a Rode microphone. Ah. As, well, which one? It's the uh, – It's. I'm, I had to look behind me. It's the pod mic. Oh, yeah. Those oh, yeah. are great. Those are great ones. Absolutely And fantastic. I paid for this one. They did not supply it. But I can attest to its greatness. Yeah. My, my <laughs> wife, who has a gardening podcast, which is quite popular in the US actually, uh, uses this. I bought the – Bought them for her. So, sorry. No, that, that's quite all right. Well, that's excellent. That's even better. I, I bet it's seen a lot of growth recently. Hey. Oh, I hit the, I hit the wrong one. There you go. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I'm green with envy. That's awful. Nope, I'm going to not acknowledge that. All right. Hey, listen. Well, I also wanted to share this thing here. Um, we get lots of really fantastic mail from everybody. I call it mail, notes, DMs, whatever it is, right? Messages. Letters. Mm-hmm. And this one is correspondence. From correspondence, yes. Yes. Um, we got a uh, correspondence from our friend Mike D. <laughs> he says, this, "This is like one of those ones where you where you read it and then you start go you share it with anybody that'll listen." Um, he said, "Hi Todd, I hope all is well on your end." What about Tony? Well, he's talking to me. Oh. He's, he's assuming I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> um, uh, this email is a month late, but I thought it was worthwhile to send. That interview you did with Rich Land was beyond excellent. And one of the best guitar knobs moments ever, in my opinion, was that bit of reflection you did near the end, starting around 108, an hour and eight minutes. I was like, okay, hmm. trying to re remember what I said. Oh, I can remember that like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, when I heard that section... I was in the middle of a jog, but needed to stop and re-listen. It was something that I think the gear community needed and meant a lot to me and other listeners I've spoken to. It was a humble reminder that even if we can't afford the gear we want, we can still find joy and fulfillment through the gear community. Here is a paraphrase of what got me. Uh, quote, just share, just be passionate, talk to other people, and be hungry about those things. That is what will help fill you up. You're probably going to run into a lot of things that you didn't consider before or think of if you get past the idea that all of this out there is not yours and it's unattainable. Just thought I'd reach out and let you know that that definitely didn't go unnoticed. Best, Mikey D. Ah. That was, you know, that, that meant a lot to hear because 
um, you know, we we do earnestly care about this stuff. Is that something you said? Uh, yeah, apparently. Wow. Which I, you know, I I really really appreciate that. And that was from um, episode number two sixty four with uh, the uh, Instagram uh, guru uh, interview. Uh, that was the interview with uh, Tethered to the Pole Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gentleman with the big gray beard on our, uh, you look for that on wherever you get your stuff. 264. That's, all your, all your podcasts. Yeah, all the stuff. Anyways, I really appreciate that. We love hearing from you guys, so please continue to send that kind of stuff. Thank you so much, Mikey D, for sending that. Um, let's get on with what's going on in our music worlds this week. Tanya Balonsky is going to hit us first, and then we're going to hear from Mr. Kingman. Okay, Todd. In my music world this week, I finished watching the FX miniseries Pistol. Okay. Which is their six-part series on the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually liked it better than Sid and Nancy and Filth and the Fury. Um, as with the movies... This one is it stretches the facts a little bit, um, but I thought it was really well done. And the, the the actors that play Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious do a tremendous job. <clears throat> um, this this series was based on uh, Steve Jones, aka Jonesy's uh, book. I think it was Lonely Boy, and it was uh, his viewpoint of you know how the sex pistols were formed and uh what happened and who was in charge and this that and the other so um so i've done a little deep diving after watching the series and i apparently john lyden aka johnny rotten was not thrilled that he wasn't given a chance to review the script so there was there was a series of lawsuits back and forth before this thing was i probably before it was even filmed um, and, uh, so there is always some controversy with, you know, with, you know, with that, sure. ga- with that gang of characters, but all in all, um, if, if folks out there are not familiar with the pistols, um, <coughs> well, there's people that probably aren't or may not, right. or they've heard the name, but, um, despite having, <laughs> uh, minimal, Yes. Talent, let's just say. And contribution. And I mean, they put out what is many consider one of the best albums of the 20th century. That's true. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I, after the series, I went back and re-listened uh, to uh, Never Mind the Bullocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Sure. And uh, it really is. It's a remarkable album. It I holds mean, up. Holds I mean, up. And it's well produced. I mean, given the fact of, of what they were dealing with and... Uh, they were dropped by EMI. They were dropped by A and M, and finally Virgin picked them up. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a pretty amazing story. Um, one of the things that uh, I wasn't aware of, and I'm, I'm actually starting to read her book, uh, uh, was Chrissy Hines. Uh, oh yeah, uh, she was all up in that stuff really she early. Was, she was in London and worked at uh, Malcolm McLaren's uh, mm-hmm. shop. Sex. Are you giving? Are you going to do the whole movie right now? Uh, would you like me to? No. Okay. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I didn't realize what uh, an integral. I mean, she she definitely knew those guys. Now this uh, miniseries kind of, I think paints her maybe a little more important than she was in the, in, in, in the contribution and everything to the pistols. But all in all, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth watching. It'll, 
you know, six episodes. I think they're 40 minutes a piece. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun one to watch over the weekend. So that's Good. my suggestion. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Brett Kingman, what's going on in your music world this week? Shorter well, than Well, I can Tony's. actually add to that conversation because the Sex Pistols, uh, I'll tell you what's going on in my music world this week, but I've been watching that series too. In fact, I watched episode three last night and the Sex Pistols, are probably the greatest rock and roll band I've ever seen live, and I've seen a lot of bands live. Uh, and they absolutely, or Steve Jones' style, absolutely informed my right arm style back mm. in 77, yeah. the 14-year-old boy who was could already play but was looking for a kind of mission. Um, so the Pistols mean a lot to me, and having seen them live with Glenn Matlock, it was Crazy. My so, brother. So did you see brother, them? I'm sorry. Did you see them in the 70s or in the uh, reunion tours? No, I saw one of the reunion shows yeah. in. Oh, I think it must have been the mid 90s. Yeah, yeah 95, 96. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I saw them up in Cleveland, and and that was. was I, I wished that I w- could have been back in that. You know, back in 76 or 77. Yeah. But yeah. you know, well, <laughs> we all wish. Yeah. Too cool. Yeah. So yeah, the pistols. Um, and the series is fun, I think. Uh, and, and they're probably John Lydon is probably correct in saying that they've had a little bit of taken a little bit of artistic license with scripts and facts and you know all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think the message is pretty clear. Yeah, which is just you know go yeah. for it. So your um, musical week in my musical world. Yeah, I have just finished a uh, five month run with a big national tour here called the Red Hot Summer Tour, which features eight bands, um, none of which I, you would probably know, but they're quite big here and we've been playing to, I don't know, 20,000 people every wow. weekend. Wow, uh, that's incredible. So that, that's been kind of fun. Uh, I'm sitting here in front of perhaps 15 pedals that are queued up ready to be demonstrated, one of them which I'll mention in uh, the four pedal uh, the four bit that the you floor. include. The four yeah. on the floor, yeah, later on. Uh, I just finished Sean Tubbs' filt, uh, Tilt Overdrive, which went to YouTube and Instagram yesterday, I think, uh, the day before perhaps, and a couple of excellent pedals by John at the Very Good Amp Company, one oh, being yeah. the, slap, yeah. the Slap Echo and the Fuzz. The, those videos went up last night as well. Uh, so it never stops here. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be, you know, because I'm an, an aging guitar player and an aging YouTuber <laughs> and an aging person. Uh, but the work is forever increasing. It's like the Hubble constant. So uh, it's mm-hmm. just my pedal universe is constantly expanding. That's uh, awesome. So no complaints and very, um, very grateful to, you know, my small legion of followers who still follow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's good. That's all good stuff to hear, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Tony and the honor of yep. talking to you too. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> well, that's got to be the highlight yeah. of your year. That's I'm sure. absolute highlight of the week <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's like that's far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, on the on the same level as Nebworth, I'm sure. Um, well, I haven't played Nebworth. Oh jeez. I doubt it could meet the lofty heights. So let's see. This. How week, about you, Todd? Well, I am. I've I've taken an extra. Uh, amount of time this week to so I got a, a show coming up not on the level that uh, Mr. Kimmy just uh, <laughs> just talked about um, but uh, we've got a series of shows coming up and I just got 
Brett, I just got a new, um, well, I don't know how new it is because it was sitting out in the ocean for a year, but uh, it's a, a Pure Salem uh, bruiser, which is the Flying V model. Oh, uh, yep. And I've been waiting for that thing for the longest time, and I got it, and I played it for about 10 minutes and then did a show with it, which might not have been the smartest thing I've done just because... Man, that's bravery. I, <laughs> I well, you know, I've never owned a V before. Yeah. Uh, it, a full-size full V, and... Um, I started so, off on a really early JB player, kind of like Randy Rohn's offset thing for like a blip. But I'm now experiencing what everybody, you know, goes, oh, right, the V. <laughs> and what scale length is the V? Um, I think that one is uh, a standard Gibson yeah. scale, 24 and three quarter. Okay. Or seven eight. Thanks, Tony. He's the he's my numbers man. <laughs> well, it's a question worth asking, I think, because the scale length that you know can mean a lot to different people. Oh, for uh, sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, I think the trickiest thing, and this is probably where a lot of people, uh, from what I've heard, it's it's I I guess akin to playing like a Steinberger or something, where there's there's no meat there where you're playing the area there all the meats in the back. And the cool part. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm used to having like some sort of foundation to rest on, and there isn't one per se. So that part has been very tricky to play. Um, A bit. But uh, because some serious weight displacement. And is it balanced? Is it is there a neck dive or anything? No, that's... it's actually very well balanced. It it sits good, good. really nicely. Um, and it's not a, it, it doesn't bottom dive either, you know, to where if the neck was too light. Uh, no, Pure Salem did a really good job on this one. I mean, I, I was, I was really impressed. I mean, the fit finish, balance, weight, it's, yeah. it's all, it's really quite a nice instrument. Yeah. I'm going to do a little video on what I've done to it, um, uh, in a little bit, uh, on, on Instagram, but, um, you know, swapped out the pickups and did some, a couple of other things, but, uh, I, I love it. Uh, and it's so much fun to play because it's like, I got a flying V. Woo! <laughs> yeah, that's cool. With I've never a, played with, a V. With a gold a, sparkle pick guard. With a, with a gold sparkle pick guard that, because uh, uh, I do uh, all my guitars in black with a gold sparkle pick guard, Brett. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that makes them sound better. It does. <laughs> it makes me feel better, anyways. <laughs> it, <laughs> yes. it detracts from, from his playing. Yeah. <laughs> it, make, it makes me happy. To my left, I've got a, a very orange, sparkly Charvel. Sandemus wildcard, and every time I look at it, it just makes me smile because <laughs> that's what sparkles do, right? Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Sparkles equal smiles. That's right. Uh, so, and and this one has got a, a, a really big pick guard on it. It's a it's a fairly large one, mm. almost almost the full size of the guitar. No, the well, full size of the body. Yeah. No, it's sure it's, does. it's a lower half V. It's like a fifties no. fifties style. Yeah, no. the, not and like a seventies style. Mm. Educate me for my Pure Salem is an American company. Yes, well, it's Pure Salem is uh, there. He's in Florida, and uh, he he designs the guitars, and then they're made overseas. Um, okay, and uh, that's why it was uh, locked up for. I mean, it just took like a year and a half to get the to get the guitar. So, um, but it was worth it. I love it. It's fantastic. So I look forward. To, I'll have a look at for it on on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, be. I got a few couple of pictures up there, but I'll, I'll be posting some more again about uh, all the d cool things that we've done to it so far. Okay. Anyhow, um, speaking of cool things, uh, 
we need to talk just briefly right before we get into our four on the floor with Mr. Brett Kingman, superstar. Um, superstar. Superstar. Yeah, uh, he's not here today. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we are our good friends of the show, Tour Gear. Tour um, Gear Designs. They, they sponsor the four on the floor. Yes. And I, you know what, Tony? You know what else Tour Gear patch cables are good for? Um, You're right. Back giving scratchers? gifts. <laughs> oh, we, we said it wrong at the same time. Giving, giving gifts. gifts. Yes, that's right. Because I gifted um, a, a whole bunch of them to uh, a, a friend of mine. And I was like, what could I get? Oh, I know exactly Tour what to get. Your design. That's right. Um, he just got his, his uh, a nice new pedal board uh, for his birthday. And uh, so... These uh, these came in and uh, I was like, this is what this guy needs. Nice, boy! What a nice thing. I'm, I'm, you know, my my birthday's coming up in January, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so hey, if you're looking for some really fantastic to uh, patch cables that have an extremely low profile and don't gob up the back of your uh, uh, pedal or the sides of your pedal with overly huge pancake holders you know whatever jacks yeah. well, you're not pancake holders you, jacks. you are a wordsmith i'm a wordsmith Anyways. hey but wait todd you yeah. didn't pay full price for i those. didn't because i used the guitar knobs code when i paid for it, and i saved 10 percent on it 10 percent on that already a very <laughs> low priced item yes so just you're punch in the guitar knobs when you go to buy these fabulous cables and you will be happy 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 one word all lowercase correct tour yeah. gear designs Thank you so much for sponsoring our four on the floor. Uh, Nothing says I love you quite like a patch cable. <laughs> exactly. That's, I think that they have that on a shirt somewhere. That yes. would be, that, if they don't, they should. Yes. If it were a patch cable, I like it. Tony? Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right. Pedal. Brett Kingman. Uh, guitar so, maestro from Melbourne, enlighten us. Mm. What is your four on the floor? Well, let's begin in 1973. And and the, the the backstory to this is that you guys probably know that I've seen a, a few pedals come through these these uh, doors. A couple. Uh, uh, <laughs> but my uh, my relationship with little tin boxes began at the ripe old age of 10 years old in 1973. I'd wow. already been playing for a year and bought a little five watt amp and a uh, $20 Suzuki, I think, guitar with my pocket money. But my very kind mum uh, said, that I, I, th I must have said I'd, I'd like a wah-wah because I was listening to glam rock, you know, David Bowie, T-Rex, Slade were coming from the UK side of the globe and infiltrating the 10-year-old uh, ears. I used to almost strap a transistor radio to my head, even at that age. And anyway, she, uh, I said, I've, I've got to get a wah-wah, mum. So she looked in what was called the Trading Post, which is a, a used kind of magazine, classifieds, and found a $10 wah-wah in an inner suburb of Melbourne. We lived in an outer suburb of Melbourne. So we got up early one Saturday morning and she very kindly drove me to this inner suburb of Melbourne. Uh, to meet and buy this wah-wah pedal, which she had no idea what a wah-wah pedal was, and I'd only heard one. I hadn't actually seen one. 
but in the end, she we were greeted uh, by a young man who said, yep, come and have a look at it, and you're young to be buying a Wawa pedal, and, and I probably sheepishly said, yes, sir, or something you know, idiotic <laughs> like that. Anyway, we, walk, we walk past the master bedroom in this grand mansion in inner city Melbourne, and there was her boss sitting up in bed having <laughs> a cup of tea. Uh, so that was embarrassing for her and serendipitous for me because I was then graced with a Shinai companion, Fuzwa. The, ah. the, first, the first pedal uh, that that formed, you know, a long chain of uh, pedal relations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it lasted probably two years before it fell to bits because they weren't very tough, especially for a kid who was as enthusiastic as me. I was yeah. like six hours a day, every day. Um, and it was uh, followed by the Roland B bar, which was great for a Zeppelin Sabbath fan at the age of 12. The treble booster on it, it was actually more useful to me than the fuzz. So, number one is. The Shinai Companion Fuzzwa. That's a Fuzz, that's like uh, Fuzz, uh, Fuzzwa volume pedal. Sell that yeah. still to got send one your here. kid to, school, to college or university. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. That's, and you said you still have one? I've got three of them here. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you send me, to, send me to university. <laughs> Jeez. And, and, and I've got the tornado pedal that I did as well. That's fun. Now, and, do, uh, you, do you have the hurricane with the siren? I've got the hurricane. Ah. Yep. That's, what I, that's what I was thinking of. Wow. Uh, and I've got a I've got a Resley tone. Do you know the re, the Resley tone was the first univibe? Oh no. Okay. I I don't know. If and I've, because it's Japanese, they had trouble pronouncing L's. <laughs> it, it ended up being stamped and branded Resley tone. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Wow. That's true. Uh, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, look it up, and, and they sound and they sound amazing. Um, wow, probably a little embarrassing to the people who produced it. You know, later on after the after it was pointed out to them that that's not quite the way you say Leslie, but uh, it had the desired effect, and it was the precursor to the Univibe. That's incredible, and it probably it probably kept them out of uh, any kind of lawsuits too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not I'm not sure that they were too fussed about the lawsuits. You've got to remember that in those days, Japan was uh, probably cruelly identified as a lesser manufacturer in the same mm-hmm. way that China were when they mm-hmm. first began mass manufacturing. But and it wasn't until oh gosh, probably the late '70s when you know Sony and Akai and um, Awa and uh, a lot of other prestigious companies, including the car manufacturers, actually stated to the world, well, we're here and we're here to stay and we are top quality. And, yeah. of course, they remain so. Yep. Uh, I remember the, the first Honda Civic I ever saw back in the 70s. Teeny tiny. I mean, little, little 12-inch wheels, maybe with the, maybe with smaller. With big rubber <laughs> back end and the yeah. that. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, but, yeah, I mean – they're, they're. I mean, yeah. As the as the auto industry, those cars are worth so much money now. Those yeah. really, really, really yeah. early imports, the early Datsuns and stuff. Wow. Yep. Anyways, on a different podcast, <laughs> as you can hear all about that. <laughs> Japanese uh, cars we love. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Okay, will be the Crunchbox by Mi Audio. Uh, the version two Crunchbox. In fact, are you guys familiar with that pedal? Crunchbox. Um, I'm just looking I, it up I right am now. not, so why don't you tell us all the gory details? MI Audio is Michael Ibrahim, and he's based in Sydney, but the Crunchbox has found 
quite a strong following globally. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not expensive. It doesn't even look good. It's, it's but like it, 100 bucks. Yep, but it sounds amazing. Uh, and in terms of his sales volumes, his Blues Pro is probably only second to it and you may, you may have heard of that one. Anyway, the Crunchbox was my first kind of uh, inverted commas boutique pedal because mm-hmm. it was made by an independent manufacturer and it was recommended to me by my sister's boyfriend back in 2008 and it is the sole reason and I'm still looking at it now, I keep it for sentimental reasons, uh, that I began this insane journey of pedal exploration and uh um, you know, social media broadcast. Uh, so the Crunchbox still sounds great and is still, even with the, all of the fractal audio gear that I own here, and that's another conversation that we could have if you want, want to, um, is the pedal that I dial up even in modelling world. Uh, and wow. it's, it's the reason. And Michael has become a great friend. He produces amazing amplifiers as well. And he's an orthodox uh, Egyptian priest, so he's got a, a very—he's got a very mixed bag of uh, wow <laughs> of, of things to do during the day, shall we say? If he flies a plane, Bruce Dickinson might have some competition here. Yeah, he doesn't fly a plane. <laughs> Last time he came here, he drove, I think. So yeah. Wow. Uh, Mi Mi Audio. Now you said this is version two. Is this the one with the two toggle switches? Uh, mine has no toggle switches. It's just got three white knobs in a red can with one foot switch and a very bad graphic, which he's been meaning to change for the best part of 10 years and still hasn't. It just says uh, Crunchbox on it, right? Yeah. The, the one that you're thinking of is probably version three or four, and I've got one of those sitting up there too. Um, it's got four little black trimmer knobs underneath right. the two big ones. So yeah. you think you think that the uh, the, the V2... Is the is the one, huh? Well, it's the one for me. the 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 later models probably have all of the same sounds, but uh, and more. But right. for me, this is a sentimental offering, Fantastic. which is followed by a pedal number. No, pedal number three. I have to give to the Tube Screamer mm, because okay. which version? Any of them, really. They all sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll go for the 808. Let's okay. say the let's say the uh, the Maxon 808. Ah. Uh, because I use it live all the time, either in the in the fractal world or in the real world as a pedal uh, to boost the front end of the plexi marshals that I like to use predominantly. And it has also informed probably six to seven to eight hundred of the overdrive pedals that I've reviewed <laughs> coming through these doors, mm-hmm. which has paid the mortgage. So the Tube Screamer, um, I owe a lot, and uh, I think that many other manufacturers probably do too. But in terms of its tone, it does what it says. Uh, although a lot of people tried to use it as an overdrive when it was first released, you know, dial the gain up and the volume back and see if you can get a tube amp sound out of it. And that's, it doesn't, it's not very good at doing that. It's much better at keeping the gain back, cranking the volume and maybe adding a little bit of tone and hammering the hell out of the front end of whatever given amplifier you, you're using at the same time. And that, that applies to old things like the, um, the Fender Vibroverbs, you know, with the 15-inch speaker that Stevie Ray used to use uh, or 
even an AC30, definitely the, all of the early Marshalls. Um, uh, where do you – people- I'm sorry. So, uh, where do you keep your uh, your tone setting on, on the ones that you're using? On 808s, virtual or real, it's – it's always the same for me. The uh, volume is somewhere between two and three o'clock. Uh-huh. So to the to the right. Yeah. The gain would be between seven and eight o'clock. Okay. And the and the tone around one o'clock. Okay. So so two extreme settings and one subtle setting, and that just tightens up all of the bottom end uh, that the amp is seeing. And uh, and gives it a little bit more gain in the kind of 400, 500 hertz mid range. Yeah, it's going to say low mids. Yeah, that would that way area that. that is important when you're in battle volume on stage for solos at least. Huh. You know, and there are metal players using the same settings with high gain amps like diesels and 5150s and you know that sort of stuff to for exactly the same purpose. Wicked. Wicked, mate. Wicked. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Number four. Oh, wow. Number four. Okay. Um, number four, I'm actually going to give to a pedal whose name I cannot mention until tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, is This won't be live till next week, so. Well, I'm not even sure I can talk to you about it. <laughs> but I will say this. Okay. It's a, del- it's a delay pedal. Uh-huh. That is built by Robert Keeley and two or three of his uh, famous and not so famous friends and engineers. Okay, and so- I predict that this delay pedal will probably put to bed, put to rest rather, the obsession that most of the world has with the Strymon timeline Ooh. because it is an absolute game changer. And uh, Robert's produced a, l- a lot of very good pedals uh, during the course of his illustrious career yeah but this one uh i'm a bit of you know I, I have a bit of a thing for delay pedals and i've got most of the classics here or i've owned them at some point in time uh this is going to freak people out and hmm. um because it, it mainly because of its sound more so than its functionality uh so i'll have to just call number four keely's because he's asked me not to name it uh okay. keely's latest delay pedal which by the time of uh, broadcast of this podcast, everybody around the world will well and truly know about. I think. All right, that's a that's maybe a big he can, maybe he can call it Achilles tendon. Oh man, <laughs> the that's tendon. A, no, that's terrible. He needs to do that. No. Yes. No. Um, Robert, if is, you're out there, is is uh, there have been uh, there have been whispers about the collaboration that uh, of Robert and uh, a uh, pretty famous guitar player and some engineers uh, since late last year so you know if you dig deep enough you'll be able to get a background on it but okay I, nice I, I, I still cannot uh give it a name i'm sorry can you <laughs> tell us is this a um is this like a, a big heavy duty like dsp no. kind of thing or uh well there's dsp involved yes yeah. yeah 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 so okay so it is truly to go up against something like the the strymon oh definitely i think so yeah okay uh, hmm. I'm gonna guess one more thing. Does it have? Is do the do the initials uh, CB have anything to do with this? CB. I'm just trying to think who else CB Bliss. could be. 
Catman, Catlin Bread? No. Chase Bliss? No, no, no. Joel's not involved in this one. Okay. Joel is much more. Joel is much. Uh, I love Joel. He's become a friend over the years. But yeah, his stuff is uh, a lot more experimental, shall we say? Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Of, um, and the only other person I can think of that sort of like at that upper level is is uh, Josh from JHS. But no, not Josh either. Okay. Um, I, I, I won't Josh, spend the whole I, show I reckon, guessing. <laughs> I think Josh will love it. No, this is a much more this is much more focused to uh, a working stage industrial environment. Okay. Was it Todd Novak? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was me, everyone. I knew it. Oh, I knew he it. gave me away. Uh, unfortunately, to Robert Keeley's detriment, it wasn't Todd. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, he... He stands as one of our absolute favorite guests that we've had on the show. What I love, absolutely delightful man. Uh, uh, yep, he's become a, a family friend too, and so I'm sending you, Robert, a big hello. And see, I upheld your uh, we, we, wishes. We put him through the <laughs> twister, and he wouldn't budge. Yeah. All right. Well, that's so very go. cool. Now, the other thing that may shock. Or, or not, some people, is that I hardly ever use pedals on stage uh, and haven't since 2009, although I love them still and they've become uh, the backbone of everything I do, really. But on stage I use the Fractal Audio gear because it's easy and convenient. Well, let's well, let's just go right into this, shall we? I mean, um, you're – it's – you've made your maybe fame to most of the rest of the world doing demo gear. Yes. <laughs> um, but you are a, an extremely accomplished player, which anybody who's watching you demo the actual gear can recognize in an instant. I mean, it is one of the, I think, more decisive factors about who you want to find playing gear to, to test it out. When you can see somebody who really knows their way around a guitar, who really understands uh, the relationship between you know the 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 triangle of uh, guitar pedal and amplifier um, to the degree that you do, it, it it just makes you want to watch more and more and more of it because you know you're going to learn something, and you know the information that you're going to get is well founded, and it's not. Um, shield and it's not like man this is awesome <laughs> uh, I'm very flattered but I, I'm going to have to use that line something. <laughs> yeah please do uh, the, so tell uh, us yeah. about your, your musical career my musical career gosh uh, well uh, I think we began that story uh, earlier on in the podcast when I was talking about 1973 uh, the ten-year-old boy, actually the nine-year-old boy, the, the year earlier, wandered into an older, a friend's older brother's bedroom on the way to, you know, playing out the backyard or something. And there was this album blaring in the bedroom, and it was called Slade Alive. And Slade were a big Ooh, glam band yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in the UK. I'm not sure whether they did any business in the US, but they were big in the UK and big yeah. in Australia. And Slade Alive was one of the great live albums that they recorded in in a studio in front of 500 of their um, crazed fans, and it's heavy. The, le- the, the, the rhythm guitar is very heavy. I think they probably used uh, high watts back then, and um, and Noddy Holder's voice is out of, you know, it's it, interstellar. And when I heard it, it was like it was epiphanal, and I thought, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> I want to make that noise. 
And so I used anything, tennis rackets, brooms, to just pretend that I could make the noise until I could actually make the noise. And uh, six months later, I was uh, handed my mum to give me some, or get me some guitar lessons, which I had from a, a, a fairly strict uh, classical teacher. Her mm-hmm. name was Jean Yule and she was older, probably late 60s, 70s. And she advanced me maybe five grades in the first 18 months, and then she died. But by the end of, which is unfortunate, and, and then but by that time I could already play by ear. So from maybe 74 onwards, uh, I just taught myself and I have had no real theory knowledge um, at all, although I can read a little bit of music, but really it's just making up whatever comes into my head. Uh, so that's why I'm not very jazzy because I don't have modal training and, you know, that sort of stuff. So... Uh, First gigs, probably two or three years later at school, first professional gigs at the age of, or national, on a national level at least, at the age of maybe 20. And then uh, I've been on the touring circuit with most of the major Australian bands since then. Yeah. Uh, And there's quite a few of them. And I'm actually, I've been touring with a fellow here called James Rain who used to front a band called Australian Crawl, uh, big in Brazil and big in Australia and New Zealand, but uh, unfortunately didn't make it to the US, although we have toured the US with Robert Palmer and Tina Turner. Uh, I've been working with him since the late 80s and I'm married to his sister Elizabeth, who has the gardening podcast that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you played um, your cards well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that worked out pretty well, I have to say. Uh, he knew me. Well before I'd met her, though, and was a little bit sceptical about <laughs> letting me be, uh, shall we say, close to her. But it worked out great and everybody's happy and I'm still working with him and we're still happily married 20-something years later. So Excellent. that's good. Uh, and when we, when we weren't on the road, I had to find something else to do. So I studied graphic design, Photoshop, Illustrator, all the standard Adobe programs, and mm-hmm. then in when YouTube appeared in two th- late 2007, 2008, I thought, oh, I might get out some of these little pedals and see if I can make videos with my then MacBook Pro laptop, I think it was, and uh, just make little videos with my daughter Sadie, who was uh, five or six at the time, and she helped me just for fun. And gosh, we had 50 views. We had 100 views, and then suddenly we had 500 views. I'll make another video. So this went on for six months, and... And then 18 months and I suddenly amounted you know, 10,000 know, subscribers or something crazy like that, which, you know, was a lot at the time. Yeah. And yeah. to be honest, I haven't increased that much more, but uh, I don't know. There's probably 80,000 now or something. It's, it's still modest, but they're very loyal followers. Anyway, Aaron it's Miller. The thing's from, a mystery. It is an absolute uh, mystery. Yeah. Aaron Miller from Pro Guitar Shop in Portland was a fan. And Andy was doing videos at the time, and Andy's mm-hmm. still doing videos for Chicago Music Exchange and mm-hmm. Re- Reverb and, uh, you know, his own channel. And Andy's been a great friend. And Aaron said, can you teach? And I said, well, I can try. And then he decided because uh, he wanted a teacher, an online teacher for the Pro Guitar Shop channel back in, you know, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. And uh, would I like to do it? And I was just like, wow, because Pro Guitar Shop, you know, Gear Man Dude and Pro Guitar Shop, they were about it. That was it. it. 
that was it, man. And yeah. so I was now, you know, counted amongst them. It was a very big thing. And you got snakeskin uh, boots or silly fingers. That was only <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was about as far removed culturally from Gear Man Dude as you could possibly be. Yeah. Uh, Andy was was and he's a far more accomplished player, I think, uh, yeah. and, and and a little more sedate. Uh, but Aaron had a vision, and he said, "You're coming on to the Pro Guitar Shop team," and I did. Uh, so Pro Guitar Shop gave me a great foot in the door until Aaron's unfortunate passing a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, and after that, I st- started uh, my own channel. Actually, it was already established. Of course it was. That's how Aaron found me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Pro Guitar Shop was a big thing and Andy uh, was, a, a, was and is a great friend, as is Tom Keithley, who is now Catlin Bread. Um, all of the Pro Guitar Shop people were dispersed after Aaron's unfortunate passing, but they've all gone on to do bigger and better things as far as I know, so that's that's good, and I'm still here too. There you go. There's probably much more I can tell you, but... Um, well, that's a really think- that's a really good uh, background, and, and you know, I, I know somebody who's been doing this as long as you have has, has probably said that story, you know, a hundred times, and I, I certainly don't want to uh, spend all of our time uh, talking about uh, that far in the past, considering how much you're doing right now, um, but that, you know, I I think it's good to hear where people have come from, um, especially people who are who are starting out. We've a, a huge amount of our listeners, um, you know, we get new ones all the time who are stumbling into the guitar world and maybe or even been here a long time and and just haven't. Um, advance as much or want to learn more and you know you just saying something that I don't know how to do this it's I know I know it's weird but that's encouraging <laughs> well I don't know how to do it I make it up as I go along my, my, my story really is all about tenacity and perseverance and not giving up and because the moment you do that if you've admitted defeat and you may as well just call it a day I will never do that. I'll, you know, and and you've got to t- you've got to learn how to deal with disappointment as well, because there will be m- much. Uh, uh, if, but tenacity is really, you know, and longe- longevity is uh, the key factors. And I tell that to everybody if I'm ever asked to, you know, it's occasionally I have to do public speaking to mm-hmm. schools, motivation talks, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I tell them. Don't give up. If you have got a dream, you've got to see it through. Uh, 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 you know, carry on, wayward son. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you hit disappointment kind of heavy there, like as a point. Can you yes. share? I'm, I'm assuming you have a story or two that that you can relate there. Well, it's it's more of a f- a, a general feeling if you think um, that you've you've put in a, a great effort on any particular pedal, and I can't pick out a specific example. I'll probably think of it after we finish, but uh, which will be too late. But uh, you know, you think, oh man, that, that that I thought that demo was amazing and and uh, probably deserved fifteen thousand views, but in reality, only got seven hundred. Uh, or or you disappoint yourself on stage because suddenly the big moment for the hero solo has come up and you you completely stuff it. Um, <laughs> you know, that never and, happens. And, and every musician. I would think has had at least you know one or two of those oh, sure. occasions, uh, but you've got to you've got to pick it up and you've got to carry on. 
uh, trolls on the internet, you know, are a constant as well. Uh, people like to make personal attacks. Envy is a terrible thing and it often manifests itself in people trolling you or, you know, picking up some sort of personal affliction, which mine is old age. <laughs> and so, you know, you get, you get grandpa a lot. But, you know, that's fine because I am old enough to be a grandpa even though I'm not yet. Uh, you know, those sorts of things you can't be affected uh, by attacks or dis or or, or uh, disappointing um, self performances and those sorts. Of, you've got to pick it up and you've got to get back on the horse and mm. rock, rock on. That's all. Uh, now we right before the show we asked a few people. Uh, I sent it out. When I say asked a few people, I sent it out to everybody. So. <laughs> So that means I asked a few people. <laughs> we only have three or four listeners, yeah. so they all um, responded. But I, I did get a couple of questions, and I'm going to pepper them in as we're talking. Is that does that sound good? Sure. I'm surprised anybody would would want to ask me questions. But all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the first the first one. I got to start with this one. Uh, yeah. This is this is from David Poe. How do you hey, keep a hat on? <laughs> Living on the bottom of the planet. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. That was. <laughs> it's hard. I have it strapped to my head. And then you, the water goes down the different way. Yeah, that's well. right. It yeah. swirls in the toilet yeah. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, this is a real one. This is a real one. Hmm. Uh, question for Brett What is the hardest guitar solo slash song that you do in the James Rain Band? Motor's Too Fast, it's called. Uh, and we recorded that song back in the early 90s and I had a couple of cracks at recording an appropriate solo for it, which didn't make it to the final cut. The final cut was recorded in London with a fellow who happened to be in the studio at the time and his name is Ian Banson. And Ian Banson was the guitar player for Alan Parsons and Pilot. Mm. Uh, also Kate Bush and he's done work with... David Gilmore as well. So if you go and dig up that track, you'll find it on all of the major platforms. Uh, Motor's Too Fast, you'll hear a, a, a very angular but beautifully melodic solo by Ian Benson. And I've had to learn it because it's a signature solo and it's not easy and because uh, it's just so odd. But as you will find out if you try it yourself. There you go. Okay. Good, good answer. Good answer. I, I think that was the right answer, but yeah. at the, as well. <laughs> There's the wrong one. <laughs> um, so let's talk about. I I would just love to get your perspective. I, I always, you know, wonder about the, the. You know, there's playing in the bedroom. There's playing with a couple of guys. There's playing in the clubs. There's playing in. Uh, you know, big, you know, theaters, and then you get to what you're out there doing. It's like you know, twenty thousand people at a time. Um, mentally, as a guitar player, do you have to? Do you find that you have to make great adjustments in order to do that, um, or, or is it? No, just like I, I find it more as a liberating thing because when I'm on stage playing in front of big or little crowds, it's usually somebody else's material. So I'm a, I'm there as a hired gun predominantly, to do a job and, and fulfil whatever musical parts I am assigned. And we have uh, two, often three guitar players in that band, so I know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm a mechanic pretty much, uh, although I do get 
uh, space to move in solo spots, which I pretty much make up differently every night except for signature solos like the aforementioned Motors Too Fast. In here, in my little YouTube room with all of the pedals and fractal gear and everything else, it's whatever I want to do. So it's a completely clean uh, creative palette that I can begin with any colour, you know, brush and, and paint at any given time. So uh, when I'm demoing a pedal, I try to honour the pedal uh, and presented in its best possible light and as far as its features and tones uh, or potential tones go. If I'm getting experimental with fractal stuff, I write a lot of presets for them and some of them, some of those are embedded into their firmware. Then I'll get a, a little more experimental to try to offer uh, something that people can use as a creative foundation, um, you know, in, in their in their day-to-day creativity. Uh Something, something different, perhaps with a crazy delay, or I don't know. It, it, it could be a number of things, but I don't put blinkers on myself when I'm in this room. This is my space, and whatever I do, whatever I think goes in here. When I'm on stage, I'm. That's usually as an employee, uh, I'm there to do a job, and I, so that's what I do. Right. So Does that's, that make sense? yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, can we talk about gear? I know that yep. uh, earlier you said live, you're not really using pedals, but no. uh, what what's your you know rig kind of like? Well, it's kind of like a big square box. That ah. <laughs> does that, it have Tolex um, on it? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is actually called a Fractal Audio FM9, uh, and if it's not the FM9, it's the smaller FM3, mm-hmm. and if it's Neither of those. It's the AxeFX 3. I've got a couple of those. They're much bigger rack units, uh, which are a bit of a pain to lug around but have incredible firepower that I've never actually used all of it. Excuse me. But uh, first and foremost, it's the Fractal Audio FM9, which is a bit like an AxeFX 3 in a floor unit. So it has uh, nine control switches on it, which can be assigned to do anything you wish. Uh, that is to change scenes or presets or you know uh, uh, use it as a stomp box kind of thing to turn different effects on and off on the fly. And it's got uh, four XLR outputs which go straight to the front of house and monitoring. So on stage in front of me I have two uh, hopefully 12-inch full-range wedges fired straight back at me in stereo. If they're 15-inch, that's fine too. I just have to use a high-pass filter to tighten them up a little bit. Uh, and that's it. So no uh, amp. No, well, amp is a is a funny word because if the the definition is that it amplifies tone. So in many ways, the fractal gear and the headrush gear and the line six and all of the other um, manufacturers who produce modelling stuff, you know, they're amplifying a tone. So they can they can really be called amplifiers too. They just don't have the physical and tangible mm-hmm. uh, appearance of the inverted commas traditional amp. You know, which most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what the end result is, uh, particularly from the audience's point of view, it's an amp. Yeah. It's not a, just one amp either. It's 300 amps. That's how many models are in uh, the Fractal firmware and a, about at least 4,000 cabinet IRs. So I use probably three of those amps <laughs> and maybe two of the cabinet IRs. Uh, 
but it does the job and it does it so beautifully that our front of house engineer has insisted on all of the other bands that he uses that he mixes using them as well and I've been using it since 2009. The reason that I started using this stuff is because we were doing big shows and because I was dragging a pedal board around with me which was a it was a pretty elaborate pedal board because of thank you YouTube uh, and I used to use a couple of uh, Fender combos predominantly behind me as the back line. Uh, do you want me to shut up? And no, keep going. <laughs> keep going. This is the kind but, of stuff we love. <laughs> but you'd get things like, oh, a preamp valve has gone in the, the amplifier. So suddenly there'd be, you know, a rush to find a 12AX7 or something, you know, 12AT7 mm-hmm. or whatever it was, or a, um, or a power amp valve has gone, or the speaker's blown. Or there's a, there's a power spark on stage, or any one of you know a dozen other factors that could put extreme stress on the player, i.e. me, and the guitar technicians, and um, you know maybe disrupt the schedule of the show, especially if you've only got changeover times of, of twenty minutes and there's six bands on. It's just just became, why am I doing this? I'm going to try the top very top end of the modelling world because I was always attracted to technology anyway. So I gave it a shot, and I have never looked back. Nice. And I, will, uh, but I still have probably fifteen classic amps with me in this room as we speak. High watts and Voxes and Marshalls. Uh, gosh, looking around, MI Audio stuff. We spoke about him before. Tons of uh, Fenders. There's four Fenders in here. Rev amps, um, and I love them all as objects of art and as a remind. Uh, as sonic reminders of my journey, you know, they're amazing. And I still I still use them, especially if a client insists on having an amp marked. The magnetone's probably the best, the Twilight of Stereo. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was uh, how about there, the the learning curve on something like that? I think that's one of the things that Well the learning curve is 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 quite it can be it can be very great, especially with fractal gear, which is deep, like deeper than anything else. Uh but so you have to embrace. You have to be a fan of technology, I, I guess, uh, because otherwise the learning curve can be a little. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Frustrating, and that can put daunting. people off. Daunting, yes, and, and it can be daunting, and it's still daunting because uh, Cliff Chase, who runs and owns Fractal Audio and does all of the code work for it and owns most of the amps, uh, you know, two hundred odd that are modelled in. The firmware, including Dumbles and all of the old Fenders and Marshalls and God knows what else, they're all they're all there, perfectly models. Uh, he likes to include all of the parameters and some that you would never have access to in the real world on real amps in the software and firmware and editing facilities that come with the fractal stuff. So if you want to get really, really deep, um, including you know slew rates and bias rates and variant controls and all that sort of stuff, you can do it. But if you just want to dial up an amp. You know, say a, a, a plexi, a nineteen fifty nine super lead plexi, and put a greenback wedge, a greenback cabinet underneath it. You can do that too. So mm. uh, it can be one or the other, but to look at it can be daunting and even a little bit scary. Which I think is why Line Six and Headrush, you know, they found a market for the same sort of thing, but it is a much easier navigation. Yeah. Uh, uh, navigational journey yeah yeah well and, and just like the uh paycheck stomp is a perfect example of okay um the other stuff Simply. is a little too scary 
right yeah. now, but this yeah. is a great way into something like that. Yeah, yeah. So they've cornered that market, and you know, congratulations to them because they've done and will probably continue to do, to do very well. But eventually, some people like to graduate. Yeah. To a you know to a higher um, higher being product, shall we say? And sure. It's, mm. To my knowledge, at the moment, the fractal is the highest, and so it is an absolute honor to be able to work with those guys because I do now uh, to you know to write and and to help out the fractal audio community which is large and growing um, and to be included in it is mm. one of the highlights absolute highlights of my musical journey I have to say is there anything that you do uh, to to not uh, in a, like weird superstitious way but um, do you have any sort of routine that you go through um, before you're preparing for a show? A glass and a half of red wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, going to ask that, a serious question about that. Is that is that for a specific reason other than you like the taste of wine? No, it's to to loosen me up a little bit because I can be a nervous uh, contender, especially if I'm playing with a. Uh, a different act or a new act or something like that, um, and it's just a it's it's an unfortunate habit that I've gotten into since I began playing in my twenties. When it wouldn't be a glass and a half, it was probably ten times as much. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and quite detrimental, and has been to my career. Um, so I've managed to curb all of the, all of that sort of thing to just you know something a bit more moderate. Yeah, uh, and sometimes I don't even have that. Sometimes. Just just a glass of water. I don't like having to meet a lot of people or different people or rela- relations or those, those sorts of things before a stage show because it tends, you tend to focus on them and try to appease them and accommodate them backstage and they're all kind of like, well, this is what backstage is like and oh, there's catering and all sorts of stuff and you end up getting your mojo sucked out badly before you hit the stage yeah. because because you have to be friendly and, and, and accommodate people. So afterwards, not so bad. Beforehand. Yeah, not a big, not a big fan of that, and I, I would imagine that, um, uh, you know, other performers, perhaps even yourselves, may share that. Well, um, I, I worried about that. Uh, Tony and I, uh, Tony's friends with Joe Bonamassa, and um, I, we went and saw him before the last show, and I was kind of shocked that we were going to see him before the show. And, yeah, some uh, people are not fussed by it, so. Yeah, uh, probably not a whole lot of stuff mess like throw him off his game, but no. Um, but I was conscious of it. I'm like, I don't know if we should be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure he would, you know, make it obvious if he didn't want you there, or one of his. This is true. One of his people would say, "Okay, guys, time to go." Yes, you know, yes. That's, that, that's often what happens. But if he's if he's familiar with you, or if I'm familiar with them, like if I've, if they're childhood friends or somebody who I've grown up with, and you know, it's just and they and they're calling. Cool you, you don't have to put on airs and graces, and they don't either. So there's no kind of effort involved. If right. That makes right. sense, uh, because that's that's when you you suddenly like all of your your energy becomes drained before you get on stage. And when you do get on stage, you think, oh man, thanks, thank God, I'm, I'm away from it. You know, <laughs> and then and then suddenly you have to focus again and 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 revitalize yourself. Um, so that's probably a, a selfish point of view, but. Uh, it's something that 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 I have to consider, and most of the other guys in in the band and and of other bands that we tour with uh, feel the same way. Afterwards is fine. Yeah, okay. that makes perfect sense because I think, as you say, you know, you channel your energy and your focus on the performance, and then if there's yeah. a disruption, 
you know, and then afterwards you, you're relaxed. You've done your, you know, done the job and, you know, you can, can unwind a little bit. So that makes perfect sense. Uh, Brett, we've got, I have three quick questions for you and then we'll start mm-hmm. to wrap, wrap this up. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, and do our, um, our, would you rather mm-hmm. dandy at the end? Um, the, the, we have a question that came in. Well, actually, let me ask this first. You were, mm-hmm. we've been talking about, you know, uh, being a professional musician um, or really a long-time musician. As a mm-hmm. long-time musician, have you had to deal with any, um, I guess, any physical issues like hands? Um, you, I know you, your back is is probably suffered a bit, but um, has, has any of that impaired your playing or have you had to adjust and how have you done that? Uh, I haven't had any physical issues except for the spinal issues that put me in hospital in 2009 and it took six months of recovery because I couldn't walk. So that oh. stopped me from uh, that stopped me dead in my tracks from touring. Uh, aside from that, I've been pretty fortunate. I played ice hockey when I was a kid and I was a skateboarder and still am a skateboarder. Uh, so uh, I suffered the the uh, injuries that often go along with sure. those idiotic sports. Um, so I've always I've been attracted to speed and just being a, an idiot really <laughs> uh, forever. Um, I'm not afraid. I've never been afraid. But no, I've been very lucky with my hands. Uh, I did once. I'm I'm the cook here at home. I like to cook. Uh-huh. I grew up with chefs, so I do all of the cooking. And with cooking, sometimes comes the terrible chopping the carrot knife uh, accident. So a couple of hours before a large show in Melbourne, I did actually take the end of my index finger off Ooh. with a Ooh. Japanese chopping knife and um, if that stopped me for probably a month while the, they put on some fake skin and let it heal again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was so much blood. I was less concerned about the injury than I was about the uh, inconvenience because it was a duet show and I was one half of the duet. Oh, uh, boy. Um, with, uh, with James, actually, and so I had to ring my brother who's also a well-known musician in Australia. His name is Scott Kingman. He's played with the vinyls and... Um, currently tours with a band called Screaming Jets and he, he's been around a lot. But he's uh, six or seven years younger than me. I say, I know you don't even hardly know these songs, but you're just going to have to get in, go up there and cover for me and just make it up. Wow. And he did. Uh, so, okay. yes, I think that's the only other injury that I've had apart from the back situation. Right, everybody knock on wood for <laughs> Brett. <laughs> so just watch it. When you're, when you're chopping those, you know, Cucumbers and carrots and things like that. Keep your fingers out of the way. Tuck the fingers yes. under. Tuck them. Tuck them under. <laughs> okay. Uh, one, uh, one more of two. Um, what is your uh, special guitar? This is from Jay Pluff. Well, my special guitar on stage is probably... doesn't have to be on stage. Oh gosh, I've got sixty guitars here, and there are there are thirty at my beckoning call just next to me now. House is on fire. You grabbing one? Which one are you grabbing? I usually go for a Charvel, to be honest. Uh, I love Charvels. I love, I've played them since Grover was building them back in the uh, early eighties mm-hmm. with with Wayne, and I just like the big wide necks on them. And as far as the pickup con- uh, uh, configuration goes, you know they could be either. Anything from SSS through to HSS or humbuckers. 
So the first guitar that I'm grabbing here now, which I like to play a lot, is a Chauvel US Select Sandemus with the JB in the back, you know, the classic old JB. Yeah, yep. And a couple of Seymour Duncan Strat pickups in it and a Floyd that actually works. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to say the special guitars are Charvels, but in the past they've been Ernie Balls as well, the Ernie Ball Axes. Uh, so you don't have like a, a like the one. The guitar that I don't want to – it's probably a custom shop SG, which has been in the shower recess with 30 other guitars for the best part of two years and I'm, I'm too lazy to dig it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, I don't own many Gibsons. I think I've got three or four and the others are Explorers. I love Explorers. Oh, yeah. Mm, uh, I love Explorer. Yeah, a bit like the V, you know. It's the, an yeah. Explorer is what you really wanted when you bought a Les Paul. It just sounds – it's huge. Uh Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a 1961 reissue custom shop from 2010, you know, the old Les Paul slash SG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Perfect. Fun, Jared fun would agree with lot. you. Yeah, Big yeah. Fun. Okay, yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, if you could have one drive pedal to cover the majority, this is from Mike D, uh, one drive pedal to cover the majority of your guitar playing needs, uh, oh, it's got to be—it's got to be an 808 or a derivative. It has to be because that's—I use them as not so much as drive pedals, but as um, boosters for the front ends. Yeah, this was going into a clean amp. Into a clean amp. Well, into a clean amp, it's got to be the crunch box. Okay. Yep, and I can just roll—I can dial it up pretty much with everything at noon and just ride the guitar's volume, which I do a lot. That's an old school thing, you know, to sure. ride the. Ride the volume. That's why I like Stratocasters a lot because the pinky sits on the volume knob all night, uh, just to you know give me the different dynamics. Well said. All right, Brett has been a. Uh, we could go for hours, I know, but uh, I really appreciate you taking your time um, to. I appreciate you having me on. I'm flattered and and honoured, and it's been good fun. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. We have a few uh, things to to do before we uh, let you go. Number one, which is we're all going to hop in the back of an El Camino. I don't know if you're familiar with those, if they have those down there, <laughs> but they are special uh, cars. It's not a car. Half it's not car, a truck. Half pickup truck. It's an El Camino. Uh, it's a way of life. Yeah, we're going to drive by Jared's house, although he's not there because he's on Where his way up Jared here. Where did Jared go? Uh, so we'll keep going. We're down to Would You Ratherville. This is the Would You Rather. Oh, okay. So, so that's south of uh, where? Where's Jared live? He's in he's in Nashville now. Yeah, he's a, oh, he's a the pickup okay. the the pickup meister at uh, Gibson right now. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, Hi, Jared. <laughs> you missed out, Jared. So, folks, at this point of the show, we like to do a little segment called "Would You Rather." Yeah. How do you like that? You don't ever try. You just kind of I just kind of not try. I'd try Which not I to try. Which I can understand because he does it so well. Yeah. I mean, Jared why, why try? It. All right. Say the thing. So this week's Would You Rather comes from my brain. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 Brett, what you don't know is like, honestly, uh, Tony is kind of like Rain Man about guitars and and music gear history like it's crazy i'm an excellent driver it's, it's pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. remarkable <laughs> we could talk for ages you could. oh absolutely and we should go ahead uh, 
So this is one of my favorite kind of would-you-rathers. Okay. uh, Because it involves my time machine. Okay, perfect. Now, I've been having some issues with the time machine. I can only go to two years. (laughs) It's, you know, I know it's bad. Okay. So my two years, it's stuck on 1976 and 1966. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the would-you-rather involves, and this one goes out to all of our bass player listeners. Because as guitarists, we sometimes... It's a bass question? It's a bass question. Okay. So here's the deal. Mm-hmm. And this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier. So the setting for 1976 goes back towards the end of the year when Glenn Matlock got kicked out of the Sex Pistols oh, yeah. for allegedly liking the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so option one is you go back to 76, you try mm-hmm. out and become the bass player for the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Or the setting is 1966, also towards the end of the year. And this is the infamous Paul is dead rumor that Paul was killed in a car accident in November of 1966. And he was very upset after getting into a fight with uh, John Lennon over John made fun of Maxwell's silver hammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this kind of ties in the pistols and the Beatles. Yep. Um, and so your option there, number two, is you have to take Paul's place mm-hmm. in 1966. I'm surprised that you went that way with it. I thought you were going to say um, who replaced Paul Simonon. Because Pistols and Clash both ended up replacing their bass players. That's true. But this one doesn't involve that. Yes. This is 1976 and I know. 1966. I, well, I got the Beatles thing after that. I was like, yes. wait, where are you going with that? Because oh, Glenn God. Matlock Glenn. allegedly yes. got kicked out because he... Like the Beatles, but actually he liked the faces better than the Beatles. So. Right. Well, he liked different kind of music. Well, yes. That's, just, that's yes. really what... Okay, anyways. All right. So, so two choices. You go back setting one, 1976, you become the bass player for the Sex Pistols. Right. Or option two, you go back to 1966 and you become the bass player for the Beatles. Jeez. Okay. Uh, so the question is, which one would I rather? Yeah, would you rather? Okay. Uh, well, the pistols. Definitely. <laughs> history History tells us that Glenn is still with us. Uh, so he lived on, uh, you know, even despite their uh, fractured relationship for a couple of years there. Yep. Uh, and the pistols rock. Uh, <laughs> that Bollocks album, you know, I listened to it again last night. It's just, as you say, it's a killer. Um, and, and so are some of the tracks that were – uh, satellite tracks to it, like Satellite and Did You Know Wrong, and other yep. other things like that. You know, they were very the pistols were very part of big part of my formative years sure. in terms of my my attitude to rock guitar. Steve Jones is an absolute legend, and to see him live do it is something else. So I'm picking the pistols. Thanks, uh, with all due respect to the Beatles and their uh, incredibly uh, an untouchable legacy. Uh, yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking the pistols. The other big band that I saw, and I know this is going off uh, please, a bit sideways, in 76 was the Alice Cooper Band. Ah, uh, yes. On their Welcome to My Nightmare tour with the Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter, you know, who had just come out of, from Lou Reed's 
band, um, Rock and Roll Animal, I think. Yep. And that was just frightening for a 13 year old kid. It was the, 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 the theatre uh, kind of aspect and the actual, you know, and the songs, which were extraordinarily strong and, and rocking. That was a big thing too. So, yeah, I guess really all of, all of my major roots come from pretty heavy guitars. And I met Steve Hunter uh, at that NAMM show a few years or well, many years later and I was sitting there playing the intro, just doodling away playing the intro to Sweet Jane, which he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and his friend Brad brought him up to me and he laughed because I knew Brad and he said, this is Steve Hunter and I just felt like the biggest dick. <laughs> Did he tell you you owed him 50 bucks? <laughs> but Steve, uh, Steve had a laugh and we sat there and chatted for ages, hours. So oh, that was that's, cool. that's, that's so cool. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, now, what, I will say one thing that I appreciate about what you do is um, you're not afraid of the uh, distortion and overdrive, which a lot of people who do demos are like, try to get the pure sound. And it's like, you know, you hit one note and it's like, oh, listen to the reverb. It's like, no, you go for it. I love that. Yep. Okay. Tony, go. I think I am going to go on the Sex Pistol train as well because, one, I don't think I could ever play bass as good as Paul McCartney did or sing and play like Paul McCartney did and does, even if he was killed in 1966 and replaced by... Uh, it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> what album were we talking about in 66? Rubber Soul? Was uh, it or, 66. Or Revolver? Revolver. It would have been uh, Revolver going into... Uh, the uh, Sergeant Peppers, yeah, yeah, right, uh, or at least that's where they were assembling stuff for Sergeant Peppers. So, um, and, and I love the Pistols too. I mean, and 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 you know, Steve Jones actually or allegedly recorded most of the bass lines right on on Nevermind the Bullocks, but yeah. Um, so the stuff that he played is actually quite good. I oh, mean, great. and and Glenn Matlock played some really killer stuff. I heard some earlier versions. Of, of many of the songs that were on that Glenn played on. And yep. uh, he, I mean, he was technically a better bass player. Um, Sid, unfortunately, could not play bass very yes. well. Um, and that's, you know. At all, maybe yeah. even. Okay, <laughs> At all. Good. Even so, uh, yes. I'm, I'm doing the same thing, uh, m- mostly because I think we could have squeezed out a few more albums. So I yeah. want I would like to see what, what would have come with somebody who wasn't a complete mess. And yeah, well, we had Rock and Roll Swindle, which was a pretty much a complete mess. Yeah, yeah. interesting moments on it, and then all of the you know the un, the un, um, the unreleased stuff. But yeah. then of course John John went to Pill, yep. and Steve and Paul went to Brazil, and. Uh, met up with Ronnie Biggs and, you know, uh, then Steve had his own band, didn't he? Uh, gosh. Yeah, it was really short. And, and ended up in, uh, eventually ended up in um, radio in L.A. Yeah. Right? Jonesy's Jukebox. Is, yeah. is he still there? He's still yes, doing he is. it. Yeah. I remember uh, I was living in L.A. when he came to that and I was like, this is wild because he, he was like no other DJ I'd ever heard. Like he didn't. They, they, he closed he the door care. and locked it, and he said, I'm doing what I'm doing. You guys can all piss off, you know. Yep. And, yep. Um, the secret to success. That's what I do, too. Yeah. Um, now, really quickly, you you mentioned something. Um, now we're just rambling a little bit, but it's fun. Um, yep. One of the things that I, that I heard on his show uh, yes. that I have tried to track down for every couple of years, I'm like, I'm going to see if I can find this. And yep. it was one of... 
it, it, it was like it happened and I was like, wait, what, 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 what was that? And it was Roxy Music doing a cover of um, Ocean from, Ocean. from uh, uh, oh, uh, Lou Reed. Um, uh, Velvet Underground. Thank you. I was trying to look for, thing for th- Velvet Underground. Thank you. Um, in French. Oh, God. It was incredible. Hmm. Wow. It was okay. incredible, yeah. or at least it I'm was t- laced I'm, with French. I'm unfamiliar with the original and the and the cover. I'm afraid, so I can't contribute to that train of thought. But I'll hunt it down now. It's. I mean, I've <laughs> I've looked for years and years. Um. Anyways, but uh, that was just a weird thing. And he played that, and I was like, he's playing this. I mean, he was. Yeah, anyways, fantastic show. Nice. But nevertheless, I digress. Um. Thank you so much for doing that. Would you rather, if you would like to hear you or your would you rather, please send them to us. We love getting them and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that and it'll be fun. Okay. T- Tony, you got a couple people to thank real quick we and then have... we're going to let our friend Brett go. Yes. Or will we? I think he, I think he's probably lo- w- w- looking for the exit right now. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. It's been a lot of fun. Actually, the funny thing is, it's twenty past eleven in the morning here, and I'm wow. on what people call the sixteen eight diet at the moment to try and lose a bit of my middle aged paunch. Yeah. <laughs> Which means breakfast is not until eleven o'clock, and at exactly eleven o'clock. I am friggin' starving, man. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. We won't keep you any longer. No, no, no. No, It's good. It's it's good discipline. (laughs) At this point of the show, Todd, uh, there's a group of people that we love to thank. And these are our executive producers. Now, as an executive producer, well, how do you become one? Is that what you're asking me, Todd? I was. Okay, you go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can become a patron, a sponsor of this very podcast. And there's some very nice thank you gifts that come your way. But one thing more, Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing. I didn't even think Jared was here, but he did. He was there. I'm not. It's like he was there. (laughs) Chicken in my (laughs) car. Raw chicken. (laughs) So. Without further ado, special thanks to these executive producers, Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemolero, Bill Gola Guitars, from Down Under, mm-hmm. John Esterly, from Rare Buzz Effects, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Sanchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? David Poe, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, and Eric Hemma. Yay. No, Todd, don't oh. interrupt because there's another special group of executive producers. We call them our grand poobas. In addition to all the great stuff, they have a fez that they must wear upon their head whilst listening to the podcast. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igreda, 
David Kaminga, Brandon Wyon Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik from 12th Hour Devices, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. And Eddie Serratos. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you indeed, one and all. Uh, and humongous thanks to our friend Brett Kingman for joining us uh, tomorrow. Because it's, it's actually tomorrow. Oh, yeah, tomorrow it's there. actually tomorrow. Yes. From the future. <laughs> Brett Kingman. <laughs> From, Everyone. Uh, <laughs> things are going to be great, kids. They're going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Free beer yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, thank you so um, much, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, Todd, this probably doesn't need to be said, but send me the links and I'll uh, stick them up everywhere. Oh, well. brilliant. Yes, we absolutely yeah, will do. Yeah. Tony, where yes. can people find you real uh, quick? Just go over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the stuff that I do. I make custom pick guards. Let me know what you need, what you like, what you're trying to do, and I might be able to help you out. In fact, I'm sure I can help you out. I, I, I believe Whoa. that. And then, Brett, where can people find your stuff real quick? Uh, BrettKingman.com. I think it's probably a good place to start. And uh, Brett Kingman on YouTube. That's the name of the channel. Uh, that's another good place to start. And Brett Kingman on Instagram. All right. And check you out live and you're touring with your special digital yeah. rig and everything. Uh, we're off till October now, which is godsend, really. So yeah. plenty of work. There'll be plenty coming from this little room. Good. Uh, you can send me an email, Todd at the guitarnobs.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at Guitar Knobs, and hey, we've been talking about music and awesome rock and roll. Go check out my band, The Villantinos, mm -hmm. Villantinos.com, and uh, download it from where all the streaming stuff that's is. That's great music too, by the way. I had a good listen to that. Oh, thank that. you. Wow, that, that means a lot. That, that's rocking. Yeah, thank you. I love it. Wow, I'm I'm over here. I'm beaming. I'm beaming. I'm no. I'm I'm blushing. <laughs> that makes me feel awesome. Thanks, man. Um, okay, everybody. Hey, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe. Oh yeah. See ya, Tony. <laughs> Tony, while I'm doing all this work, you figure that out. I'll figure this out. I'm working it out. Uh, this is usually when Jared, who normally would be here, but he's traveling from Tennessee right now. Uh, mm -hmm. to come up our way usually says all the bad words all at once so he can have a chuckle um, and <laughs> no, I like to go in cold and see what happens you know when you're watching the guys uh, deep sea fishing and they got like 10 poles out the back mm -hmm. just trying to get something there's a joke in there somewhere <laughs> you know, he's, po <laughs> he's Polish there's, there's a guy with 10 <laughs> poles out of his back <laughs> I can talk forever. You'll probably tell me to shut up. No, but I won't. <laughs> well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.